podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF. We are the flagship show of the 10-12 Network and partners with Sports Drink, your water cooler for all things sports and non-sports, a fantastic podcast network in their own right. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. When you combine Super Bowl Sunday with two co-hosts getting sick, you get me solo for an opener. Uh, leading into a fantastic interview with our new podcast hosts, the hosts of Give Him Hell Brigham, our BYU show, who has joined the 1012 Network. That's what you get today. No co-host, just me. I'm going to riff for a little bit, and then we'll hop into our interview with Give Him Hell Brigham. Very excited to have them as our BYU podcast, joining Viva La Cat, who we introduced you to last week as our Cincinnati podcast. The 1012 Network is now one school shy of having every Future Big 12 school covered the 12-team conference, the Legacy 8, and the four incoming. We are just short of TCU podcast. We used to have one. We don't anymore. If you know someone who thinks they're worthy of hosting a TCU podcast for the 1012 Network, send them my way. DMs are open on Twitter, at 1012 Network, 1012 Pod on Instagram, 1012podcast at gmail.com is the email. Congratulations to Texas Tech alum Patrick Mahomes winning his second Super Bowl trophy, second Super Bowl MVP, best player in the NFL, showing out again. The second half was incredible. We're not going to talk about the penalty. I don't care. That second half was impressive. What a game. Yeah, it kind of fizzled at the very end. Just a little bit unmomentous. You just, you know, you kill the clock and kick the game wing field goal, but I don't care because I like the Chiefs. I'm a Chiefs and Niners fan. That's what you should know about me, so I'm perfectly happy. So is my good friend Joel Penfield. Congrats, bud. Uh, we got a few things to get to before our conversation with Give Him Hell Brigham. Number one, we talked about it with Ryan Nani when he's here on the podcast a couple weeks ago. And now it has finally come to pass and come to fruition. The 2023-2024 Big 12 athletic season is going to be unlike any we have ever seen before. It is everything we had hoped and dreamed for. One final year of Oklahoma and Texas. One year where both Oklahoma and Texas are in the Big 12 and the four incoming schools, the four future members, BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF will be in the Big 12 as well. The 2023 football season is going to be, there's nothing like it in the history of college football. Nothing else like it. Just keep telling your friends, hammering that message. There is nothing else ever like it. And if someone brings up the Big East, it ain't the same, folks. It's not. Go back and listen to our interview with Nani. Fantastic stuff. But there's nothing else like it. That news obviously came out last week. The Big 12 has announced that a deal has been worked out for Oklahoma and Texas to head to the SEC in the summer of 2024. The two schools will pay more than $100 million combined to the eight legacy schools and Fox to make the deal happen. The money that will be split among the legacy eight will make them financially whole because of the funds that they are losing the next two seasons. As you'll remember, the legacy eight are taking a pay cut to pay the four incoming schools the next two seasons before the new TV contract takes effect in 2025. Multiple reports, including from Ross Dellinger and Dennis Dodd, saying that Brett Yormark's next goal is to aggressively pursue expansion. Step one, TV contract. 
Step two, get Oklahoma and Texas out of the conference early. Step three, go west, young man. As we sit here today, I still don't think it's likely that any Pac-10 school leaves the Big 12. That's my opinion. Not saying ever. I'm saying before the Pac-12 does sign whatever this next TV contract is going to be. Yes, I think that the people who are leaking information from within the Pac-12 about being unhappy with the situation, unhappy with the way things are going, talking about the Big 12, those are athletic directors. Those might be some boosters. They are not the school presidents. They are not the movers and shakers who make these decisions. Matt Brown has a really good write-up on the state of things on his Friday Extra Points newsletter from last week. It is a paid one. If you're not a paid subscriber, you should. This particular paragraph is what I think is most important. This from Matt Brown. I've said this for months, and I don't believe this reality has changed yet. But senior leaders at Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona State want to stay in the Pac-12, even if the Big 12 technically offers a little more money, and even if their biggest voices on Twitter and YouTube disagree. They value the academic partnerships and brand building they get from being associated with Stanford and Cal. They don't want to fly all their athletes to Morgantown and Orlando. If the money was massively different, then the conversation changes, but it isn't right now. Yes, the Big 12 might make more. Maybe the Pac-12 does make more. Yes, the Big 12 might have more exposure being on Fox and ESPN. Yes, the Pac-12 may end up with less exposure because they're going to be on Amazon or some other primarily streaming platform. But that's not the only thing that matters to the people who make these decisions. School presidents, school boards decide conference affiliation, not ADs, not fans, not boosters, not coaches. One of the reasons Colorado moved to the Pac-12 in the first place was because of how large a portion of their alumni base is on the West Coast in California. That hasn't changed. The relationships the universities have haven't changed. The importance of being a level one research university hasn't changed. Do I think eventually the Big 12 will poach some from the Pac-10? Yes. But I think it's going to be after this next TV deal. After those athletic departments have spent six years or seven years or however long this next deal for the Pac-12 is going to be with the majority of their athletic content on a streaming service like Amazon or someone else. Maybe a couple do come over and I would be thrilled. But uh, at this point, I believe they'll all stay together. Do I have my ear to the grindstone? Do I have connections out West? Hell no. I just haven't seen any information to this point to change my perspective on why I don't think they'll come over. But we'll see. Uh, one bit of technology. Homefield Apparel has an app. So if you needed another reason to have a hard time not buying new stuff from Homefield Apparel, new comfortable t-shirts, sweaters, and hoodies, well, here you go. They now have a Homefield Apparel app. Sends you uh, notifications on product drops and flash sales that you will only find out about. If you have downloaded the Homefield Apparel app, it's available in both Android and iTunes stores. Go check it out. Go check out everything that Homefield has available for every current and future Big 12 school like Iowa State, UCF, Cincinnati, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, West Virginia, BYU, Baylor, Oklahoma State, etc., etc., etc. And they continue to do these three a week Limited edition runs, nothing for the Big 12 this week. It's Big 10 heavy, but we saw what they did with Iowa State. The other schools, I think most of them, they are a coming this year. So maybe get the app to get notified. Follow them on Twitter. 
whatever you do, just remember the promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2. When you make your first purchase, you will get 15% off. NETWORK12 for 15% off your first purchase on anything on that website. The least limited editions are having joggers. Quarter zip. They launched a hat. Oh, man. If Homefield really gets into hats and some of the vintage logos start showing up on hats, I'm going to go broke. The girls are not going to have a college fund anymore. What little of one they have right now. Homefield Apparel. Network 12 for 15% off your first purchase. Be rocking the most comfortable, coolest vintage college sports apparel this college basketball, baseball, softball season. Hey there, folks. This is Justin Hiles of the Viva La Cats podcast, which is now proudly presented by the Big 12's premier podcasting group, the 1012 Network. My co-host Steve and I cover all the ins and outs of Cincinnati football and basketball, for better or for worse. We release a new episode every single week, sometimes with guests, sometimes it's just the two of us kicking back talking Bearcats. So, if you like raw emotion and heavy recency bias, we are definitely victims of that. It clouds our conscious, and it should cloud yours too. We also have an every once in a while Twitter Spaces post-game review on our page at Pod on Twitter, where we invite all of our friends and enemies to discuss everything that we just witnessed minutes prior. If you like your podcast with a laid-back environment, way too serious about stupid ideas, the deepest of stat pools, or just straight-up white noise, then you've come to your one-stop shop for everything Bearcats. Viva the Cats. Speaking of basketball, I do want to do a little bit of basketball talk, just highlight a few things from this past weekend. I watched quite a bit of Big 12 softball. Got a Flow Sports subscription. I know what I say about Flow Sports, but I got one for one month so I could watch some cowgirls, watch some cowboy baseball. Enjoyed watching a little Baylor uh, and Kansas softball. I think it was just Kansas. I don't know. Baylor was on YouTube. That's right. It's the UNLV uh, broadcast didn't have any audio whatsoever. Meanwhile, the Kansas one had some nat sound, but it was never actually lined up for the match that I or the game that I watched. But did watch some hoops as well. Let's start with Iowa State, who lost their first home game of the season, sixty-four to fifty-six to Oklahoma State. It's the Cowboys' third straight win in Ames. Cowboys, despite losing Avery Anderson for the season, are looking like a tournament team. They started 1-4 in conference play, 6-1 and one since. Here's the thing for Oklahoma State. I'll talk about Iowa State here in a minute. But here's the thing for Oklahoma State, and I think this is important information for West Virginia as well. Because we saw the graphic that was put up on ESPN that basically eight teams are projected to make the tournament as of right now, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, both in. If you look at the net as of Sunday night, West Virginia, 25th, Oklahoma State, 29th. That's good. If you look at Ken Palm, Oklahoma State, 27th, West Virginia, 20th. you got to feel good. But there's a stat I want to point out that I think is important for both those teams. Since the Big 12 became its current 10-team iteration back in the 2012-2013 season, Big 12 teams to win 10 or more Big 12 games have gotten into the tournament 100% of the time. Nine wins. That means going 500. Nine and nine. Seven of the nine teams during that stretch have made it. All of them since 2014. 2014, West Virginia, the last nine-win Big 12 team to not make the tournament. 2013 was that uh, that Baylor squad that won the NIT that probably should have been in. It was weird as I get out. That 2014 West Virginia squad, I think they were like 17 and 15 as I recall, so not too, 17 and 16, nothing too surprising. Eight win teams, teams who win eight 
conference games have gotten in seven out of 11 times. Seven wins, two out of five. Six or fewer, never gotten in. On the eight wins, I took out the eight-win Oklahoma State team from last year because they were ineligible. And obviously, I didn't include any teams from 2020 because there was no tournament. So for Oklahoma State, you're sitting with seven wins in conference play. Going two and four down the stretch, not the best thing to do, but should make them feel comfortable about getting into the NCAA tournament this year. Get a win in Kansas City in the tournament just to help yourself feel better because they've got a quad three loss and a couple of quad two losses. Also, maybe don't drop the game against Texas Tech in Lubbock to close out the regular season. West Virginia is the team I'm really concerned about. 15 and 10 overall, great in Ken Palm, great in the net, four and eight in Big 12 play. Now, as we said, seven win teams have gotten in before. Six games to go, three and three would get them to seven and 11. Four and two to get to eight wins and feel really comfortable. This is going to be a tough thing for West Virginia because that means they have to win all three home games and a road game. Their stretch coming up is at Baylor on Monday, home for Texas Tech, home for Oklahoma State, at Kansas, at Iowa State, home for Kansas State to wrap it up. Not, it's not even easy. Like, yeah, you get OSU and Texas Tech at home. You you should view those as potential wins. Kansas State to close the regular season, the way Kansas State's been playing, who knows? But road games at Baylor, Kansas, and Iowa State. West Virginia has to win out at home. Has to win out at home. Has to win out at home. To get to seven conference wins and even really feel good no matter what the net or Kim Palm says. Would really need to go four and two down the stretch, and I would feel good. I think eight wins in this Big 12, you're getting in. Seven wins you might. That's how good the Big 12 is this year. They might be okay at three and three. Two and four, no team with six or fewer conference wins since West Virginia and TCU joined the conference have ever made the NCAA tournament. West Virginia, win three games. As for Iowa State, Iowa State and Kansas State, two teams on a slide. Iowa State, who? Oof. Folks, this team is on a slide. They've lost four of their last five, including three of their last four in Big 12 play. They lost a home game for the first time this season. I know that Kalsher's been a little bit banged up. I know Caleb Grill hasn't been himself, and I don't think he is healthy. I know he's back playing. I don't think he's anywhere near healthy. It's a concern. It's a concern, especially for a team who, look, the charity stripe is frankly where Iowa State lost this game because then they started just jacking up threes at the end of the game to try and get back into it and couldn't do so and couldn't hit their free throws. Iowa State, as of Sunday night, is ranked 319th in the country in free throw percentage at 65.87%. That's real bad. That's real bad. Iowa State's got to figure something out. Get that defense going because the Iowa State offense just isn't clicking. Isn't clicking. As for Kansas State, similar situation. You go to Lubbock and lose, giving Texas Tech their second conference win of the season. They stay above 500. Kansas State has now dropped four of their last five Big 12 games. These are two teams we were all excited about. With the job that Otzelberger was doing in Ames was fantastic. The job that Tang was doing in Manhattan was incredible. These slides not helping with those uh, Big 12 Coach of the Year situations. Look, again, these two teams, they're comfortably in. They're both 7-5. and five. Win two games. 
I don't expect them to win. Like I would expect both these teams to go at least three and three the rest of the way. I'm not even gonna look at the schedules. That's just the level of respect I have for them. But we've got to see that turnaround happen now for both these teams. Both of them. TCU, look, I know they lost to Baylor. I said it on Twitter. I'll stand by it. Once Mike Miles is healthy, once Eddie Lampkin is healthy, this TCU team is one of the most dangerous in the country. We saw what a healthy TCU team can do. They can go on the road and blow out Kansas. And they come home and beat. I know Oklahoma's not good right now. In fact, I'm probably going to have to power rank Oklahoma at 10th when we do that midweek. We'll see how the this week's games go. They were not healthy, and they gave Baylor everything they could handle. Baylor, one of the hottest teams in the Big 12, everything they could handle, and almost were able to pull out that win. This TCU team is dangerous. Now, we can talk about the issues for them at the end of games. Last four losses for TCU basketball. Mississippi State, they gave up a 15-6 to run in the last four minutes to Mississippi State to lose that game. They gave up a 16-8 to run in the last four minutes to Oklahoma State to lose that game. They gave a 17-2 to run in the last five minutes to Kansas State to lose that game. They gave up a 22-6 to run in the last six minutes to lose the game to Baylor. Yes, TCU made a, some plays down the stretch to make it closer, but TCU in the last closing minutes of these games, not good. Now, I really do think a lot of that is because they don't have Mike Miles. You need your closer. I think he's that for them. I think that's how important he is. This TCU team is good and will be good once he is back. Uh, last note, shout out to Josh Neighbors of uh, Locked On Big 12. Yeah, I'm going to shout a uh, a guy who runs another Big 12 podcast because he does good work. Uh, he tweeted this one out. I think this one's interesting. Road records of the top four teams in the Big 12. Mind you, Texas is 9-3 and three alone atop the standings. Kansas and Baylor 8-4 and four a game back. There are three teams, Kansas State, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State at 7-5, two games back. The top six teams are within two games of each other. TCU's another game back at 6-6. Six and six. The top four teams, Texas is 4-3 on the road. Kansas is 5-3 and three on the road now. Baylor 4-3 and three on the road. Iowa State 2-6. And six. And I, I, I'm going to be honest. Like, I told you Kansas is going to have some three-game losing streak, then turn it on. Kansas has only lost since the three-game losing streak. It's on the road at Iowa State. That game was looking a bit like an outlier for Iowa State. So, three-team race. Kansas still in it. Fun, fun, fun. All right. We got a great interview. I cannot wait for you to meet the hosts of our new show, Give Him Hell Brigham. Make sure you go and subscribe. Give him a follow on Twitter. Find everybody at 1012network.com for more great hoops coverage, Midwest Madness. Robbie Triano doing an incredible job there. You should be listening to that show every time an episode drops. We'll be back at the midweek. A lot of softball and baseball focus. Baseball season starts this coming weekend. Some doozies for Big 12. The series down in Arlington. Woohoo! That one's going to be a lot of fun. Again, it's part of I got flow for a month. I'm buying a month of flow sports. Won't do it again. Don't worry. All right. Great interview. Give him hell, Brigham. Let's get to it. Do you love the Big 12 Conference? Do you love college basketball? Well, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do. So come on over to the Midwest Madness Podcast, powered by the 1012 Network, where I, Robbie Triano of SiriusXM, talk all things men's basketball in the Big 12 Conference. Whether it's breaking down the biggest games, interviews with some of the best people covering the league, or discussing which teams will make the big dance, make the Midwest Madness Podcast your bi-weekly listen. Because the best way to prepare for March Madness is to listen to the Midwest Madness. You know, it's always a good week 
when we get to add a new show to the 1012 network. And so you can imagine how I feel when we get to announce two new shows in the same week. So Monday, if you missed it, or last Monday, uh, we announced Cincinnati. We've got Viva La Cats. Very excited to have them on board. We're now one podcast away from having the 12 teams who will be in the future Big 12 after Oklahoma and Texas leave. Very excited to welcome Garrett and Jeff Two hosts of Give Em Hell, Brigham Young, our new BYU podcast, into the ten twelve network. Guys, welcome. Welcome, and it is—it's just Give Em Hell, Brigham, no Young on there. I know see, it's confusing. I know it, it is it confusing. It keeps throwing me we, off because I just want to say Brigham Young, right? And so it is confusing. Which, uh, but we're glad to be here. Who's the one school that we're missing? I mean, we're going to have to probably get find an Arizona and Arizona State maybe here in the next month or two, but that should be easy. Well, Given the latest reporting of what's going down in the Pac-12, they are really stubborn. I mean, those alumni bases are heavy in there in California. They want to stay connected to California. And, uh, you know, that's what happens when you look down your nose at other people is eventually there's... there's the comeuppance has mm-hmm. been an incredible hit of dopamine. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially, I mean, you guys, BYU is a, a, a school and athletic department who, who, you know, has looked at the Pac-12 many times like... We play half your schools all the time. Why don't you just invite us? And they're like, no, we would never do such a thing. And now it's like, oh, maybe we should have got BYU when you had a chance. Well, you had many chances. It's like it's like that seeing that other girl, you know, and you're like, I'm not going to date her. And then she marries up, and now you're sitting there all alone at the dance going, well, how come? Maybe she'll go. Nope, you had your chance, and she's gone. And yeah. Now she's ours. After after the last 11 years of independence and every, you know, every West Virginia blogger, every anonymous whoever that had a Twitter account, BYU fans, man, we were clinging to every, like, sort of inkling of hope that we could have. Now that it's here, it's kind of nice to just – Watch everybody else do the scramble that BYU fans have done for 10 years. Feels really good to be on the right side of that conversation for, for, for a change. And to know that everything is locked up for the next at least what eight seasons until 2031 when the grant of rights runs out where it's it's there's nobody there's no way that it's going to fall apart. If anything, we're adding to we're adding to our party and getting bigger and better, but it won't be it for the first having stability for the first time. I mean, really in my entire life as a fan, because, you know, there was purportedly, if you, depending on who you talk to, like the Pac-12 or the Pac-10, they looked into expanding and adding BYU in the 90s. And it got to the point where it was like they had everything prepared and doing like we're going to have like a president's vote even like to invest. But then it kind of got kiboshed because they it was one of those things where it was like. They didn't have a formal vote because after polling, doing a straw poll, they realized the votes weren't there, so they didn't bother putting it on the agenda kind of thing. But it's like, I mean, from my entire life, it's I remember one of my earliest memories is when the Mountain West formed and breaking up the whack. And I was just kind of old enough to ask then, you know, what's going on and my dad explaining it to me. But then even as soon as the Mountain West was formed, it was kind of like, well... Yeah, but we we want to be in the Big Twelve, and then we want it. Or we want to be in the Pac twelve. We still don't feel like we belong here. And now we were independent for just as long as we were in the Mountain West, which is a really weird thing to wrap our mind around. That we spent the same amount of time in both situations, and it just feels good to finally be in a place where I can point the finger and laugh at everyone else's demise, while knowing that we are safely and firmly middle class. How does it feel as BYU fans to know that all your sports will finally be in one conference as opposed to spread out in, in multiple different locations? 
I mean, I'm the wrong person to ask because truthfully, aside from BYU football, I'm not really convinced other sports exist. I mean, obviously they do, but like they kind of don't unless it's March. Uh, so for me, I mean, no change really, but, I, but on a serious note, I mean, it's, it's awesome. Right. I mean, it is nice to uh, the Mountain West conference of, of old. Right. I mean, it was what it was, but it was fun. It was fun to have a conference chase. It was fun to, you know, hang banners of, of conference titles and, in the rafters of the Marriott Center, it was fun to have you know Jimmer Fredette had rivalries with with Kawhi Leonard and San Diego State, so so it was fun. Like those kinds of things were fun, and you don't get that as an independent. There were a lot of other things that that were fun about independence, and there were a lot of things that were fun about the West Coast Conference for for those non football sports. Uh, but it will be more fun to have everything under one roof and get to know the same people, get to form the same rivals, have the same arguments with, with the same fan bases, you know, year in and year out, regardless of the sport, it's fun. And, and I don't think, you know, for, for me personally, d- during independence, during the West coast conference, I think we all kind of lied to ourselves as BYU fans saying that we didn't care as much about that kind of stuff as, as we really did because we had to, right. I mean, independence was it. You, you didn't really have any other option. So we we convinced ourselves that it was okay. Now that it's not, and now that BYU is headed to the Big 12, like all of those things, oh, I can't wait for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think, I mean, most of the WCC, most of the Olympic sports are pretty good. You know, they, it's a lot of, you know, because generally the Olympic sports, you know, the the kind of more affluent West Coast, a lot of the schools being in California, you know, like the volleyball, the, the softball, the golf, a lot of those, you know, sports, the the WCC did a very good job at, and with, I mean, but with basketball, just like the, the margin of error playing behind Gonzaga, because there was just zero depth in the league was so low that if you dropped one or two, if you lost a conference game to anyone besides Gonzaga and St. Mary's, you could basically, you could kiss your tournament hopes goodbye, unless you won the conference tournament, which you're probably not going to do. Cause you have to go through both Gonzaga and St. Mary's. It's a tough road to hoe, uh, road to hoe. And so it's, having you know just having where the entire season is meaningful rather than we kind of it's like people get up for saint mary's or gonzaga and then the rest it's like oh yeah there's there's a basketball game tonight i'll watch it but then if it's just the you know it it, having a competitive depth and then also just having the sheer number of fans like there's i've never met a single lmu fan or santa clara fan right in my entire life so it's like i don't even know who like the banter on you know twitter or on a discord server like it just doesn't exist to interact with fans of other schools other than gonzaga fans there's a few of them you know it just the opportunity just isn't there and so i think actually will feel like really in a conference for the first time in a long How, time. How's it, how's it feel to know that you're joining a conference that men's basketball uh, programs, there was legitimate debate as to whether or not they could get all 10 teams into the NCAA tournament this year. Oh, it's, like, uh, it's, it's great because we can, we can go 500 in conference play and still make the tournament. That's great. <laughs> oh. I was going to go the other direction. I don't know if it feels that great for me because uh, I, I think once BYU is added, the debate of can you get 100% of the Big 12 teams in the conference or in the in the tournament well, that goes out the window because BYU is not good enough to get into the tournament. So it will be good for the long term for sure. But man, it feels like a buzzsaw, you know, in the immediate future. It scares me. So uh, tell me a little bit about you guys. We've talked about BYU. And I, I'm, I feel like BYU, we could, we could go for um, two hours because BYU feels like the one fan base. Part of this, you guys are the last edition as far as the incoming programs I have a podcast for. But 
it seems like BYU fans are the ones I have had the least interaction with on on social media from the 1012 Networks Twitter account. Um, tell me a little bit about about you guys so everybody kind of gets familiar with with Give Him Hell Brigham. What, what, tell me the history of this particular podcast. So I don't know, Jeff. When did we start talking to each other? It was like years. 2050. So fun fact, Jeff and I have only been together in person one time in our entire life. Uh, so it's, we met on welcome to sports podcast. Right. right. It's, so we started following on Twitter and started talking, uh, you know, we started talking to each other and, uh, you know, kind of went from there. And then Jeff was working, uh, I think that was the pre rivals days. And then when Jeff ran over to rivals and we talked to each other for a while, um, we, and, but, you know, as he asked if I wanted to help out. And so that's why I kind of started running there. And then we moved to 24 seven together. And then we started and we started the show kind of during what the lockdown is like May of 2020. We're like, we got to let's start a show. And then after running the show for through that 2020 season, we said, let's start a newsletter to go with it. And so we'll spin it off because it doesn't, I mean, 24 seven, you know, the kind of content that you get there on 24 seven, it's very, uh, how do you just, like formulaic, like what they, what they want you to do. It's like, you know, it's re- recapping a recruiting visit. It's recap, you know, it's recapping a recruiting visit. It's giving a post game summary of what happened, which is just very like it, that's available everywhere. Right. And so it's, you know, there's a million sites where you can do that. And so we said the newsletter isn't going to f- fit into that style. And so let's kind of spin it off and do, uh, so that's where we kind of, evolved from being just the podcast to the letter pod as we affectionately call it. And so it's been really good. Yeah. So we're coming up on three years now with the show and just hit uh, about 18 months with the newsletter and things are going really well. It's a ton of fun. And we, we use the word fanfluencer because influencers are are awful. We don't, nobody wants to be an influencer, but we, we try to consider ourselves fanfluencers that we're, we're not going to sit and break down X's and O's a ton. We do a little bit, but like neither one of us really know what we're talking about, but we're going to have fun. And and so our newsletter, our our podcast, we, we really try to keep it in the mold of like, it's the tailgate and you're just sitting around with your friends talking about the things you talk about while you're waiting for the game to start. Right. And, and so we have a lot of fun. It is a little bit different than, uh, you know, your traditional sports outlet. Uh, but we, we still get that sports fix, but we, we, we do it in a, a different way than I think most people do. And it's been a lot of fun. We, we've had a lot of success with it. Uh, so for those who might want to sign up for the newsletter, where can they do so? Cause I've, I don't think I subscribe to nearly enough newsletters yet. <laughs> yeah, you, you can, you can sign up at com. Very cool. All right. Well, that's easy enough. Uh, so how long have you guys been BYU fans? Did you grow up BYU fans? Did it become once you got to school? What, what's, what's your connection and relationship with the, with the university? Uh, for me, so, it's easy. My, my grandfather used to pick, check me out of school. I, I live, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half out of, out of Provo. I didn't go to BYU, but my, my grandfather would check me out of school when I was a kid and he would drag me to Lavelle Edwards stadium. At, at the time it was Cougar stadium and he would plant my butt on a, on a bleacher chair and we'd sit there and we'd watch football games. And that was the relationship that we had. And it was just ingrained into me that you're a BYU fan, no matter what you do. Uh, he didn't care what else. I, you know, I could have been some kind of hardened criminal, but as long as I wore BYU blue while I did it, he would have been proud of me. And uh, ultimately that's just stuck with me. So it, it's been a lifelong thing for me. Never attended the school, um, but just have never been able to get that Royal blue out of my blood. And for me, so I did go to BYU, um, and it 
really for me, it goes a lot deeper. So obviously BYU is an LDS university. Um, so my dad's stepbrother joined the LDS church when, well, he actually, my dad's stepbrother uh, was offered. And so he played under Lavelle Edwards. And so he was going to BYU and he joined the church there. And my parents went to visit them. My dad was looking at going to Colorado state, uh, wanted an ag program. And in a weird turn of events decided like, Hey, I want to go to BYU instead with my stepbrother. And so it was at the end of my dad's first semester in Provo, my parents joined and converted and joined the LDS church. And so for me, it's more than like, it's more than just sports because obviously, you know, our religion, Jeff and I are both active members of the LDS church. Like our, our religion is such an important part of my life. You know, that it's I, in my life, it's very strictly tied, you know, closely tied to the university itself and the sp- specifically the sports, right? Because if it wasn't, if Lavelle hadn't offered my uncle a, a chance to play, who knows, you know, where, where things would be. So I went to school there. That's where I met my wife, uh, you know, also went to BYU. And so that's where we met. And so it's, it's, yeah, very, very much the kind of stereotypical in that regard of like, I, I'm not only am I, I an alumni, but because I am a good LDS person, I, I cheer for BYU, just like all Catholics should cheer for Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> is that the I, I assume growing up that's just the rules like i don't know by the way and here's your byu shirt it's the first time you show up to church here you go um, no there's damn a it, lot it of, should be the rules I'm it should be <laughs> it should be so they actually we had this conversation on our discord the other night so the arizona state's biggest donor who was a see their single biggest donor who played football also at Arizona state back in the day, he is LDS. And so he's also given like over $50 million to BYU just because he's like, it's the church school. So I want to, so the school of the engineering colleges at both universities are both named after him because of his donations. But yeah, I know it's like that. There's a, actually like a lot of people who are like where it is. I mean, obviously if you're a Utah fan or whatever, but there, you know, there's a lot of people that live in like Idaho or Wyoming that, cheer for Boise State or or what the University of Wyoming that are like, no, like we wear it as this badge of honor that we are LDS and I don't cheer for BYU. So there's a little bit of that, but everyone should be required to. I as a as a theological point of doctrine, I feel like the fandom should be required. The the fact that there is not an official uh BYU indoctrination program in it's within the church is just mind boggling. Well it's because yeah. the, the podcast has only existed for, for three years, Philip. I oh, mean okay. give us some time. We'll make sure okay. it gets there. You're still that'll be uh that'll be coming out in the newsletter over Yeah, the no, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yeah bit by bit. Understand. Um I mean, so from BYU standpoint, like you kind of touched on it. To me, from an athletic department as a whole, it's BYU feels like the one most prepared to enter the Big 12. Obviously, from a football standpoint, I think Cincinnati will be fine outside of the coaching change. Houston, they spend in some ways like a, a Power 5 program. UCF, I think, is going to be fine. But from an ath- a whole, holistically as an athletic department, because you guys play so many Power 5 games, because you guys act in some ways similar to a Pac-12 school where all the sports kind of matter from an athletic standpoint. And I think there are a lot of Big 12 programs that, yes, football is king. Men's basketball is uh, just right next to the king. Um, but everyone else has certain things that they are thoroughly invested in as an athletic department. you got a lot of baseball, wrestling, golf, uh, softball throughout the conference. And BYU feels like, to me, the program that's coming in as an athletic department that is best suited to immediately have success kind of across the board versus some of the other schools that are entering. 
Yeah, I I think that's probably fair to say. I mean, obviously there there's going to be, you know, maybe the baseball program at UCF, I have no idea. Maybe the baseball program is a little bit more prepared than BYU's, but I think generally speaking, uh BYU across the board will be pretty prepared in just about every sport. And uh, it feels like that's kind of engraved in Mormon culture. Like, I, I don't know how to explain it other than when members of the church want their kids to do extracurricular things. And so kids grow up playing all the sports, doing all of the things. And it kind of creates this natural recruiting pool for BYU to go out and get the track kid out of Massachusetts, who's like this budding track star, because that's what they've done their whole life. And because they're members of the church, they want to go to BYU or they are at least aware of BYU and BYU is able to go and on a track scholarship or a half school, whatever they do, right. They're able to go and get kids out of Massachusetts to come and run track at BYU. And I think that, you know, regionally speaking, at least, I don't know, aside from a handful of schools that I think do that across the country, you know, regardless of sport, BYU is kind of unique in that regard that they can, because of the, their affiliation with the church, they kind of can go anywhere that there's a member of the church and, and have some uh, reasonable recruiting success. And because of just the nature and the DNA of what, what families who are members of the church do, there's a lot of kids doing extracurricular things. It isn't always football. Like there's a lot of <clears throat> track and field stars, right. That, that grow up in the church and then they go to BYU and Hey, look, BYU has a really good cross country team as a result. So it, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's one of those things that you don't really think about. And on, I think for anybody on the outside of BYU looking at it, it's like that, that's one of the weirder recruiting pools that I've ever heard, but, but it makes, it makes sense for BYU and they've done it for, for decades now and have had pretty consistent success. Yeah, I think it's pretty pretty standard or kind of the norm in LDS families that every kid is expected to both play a sport and either like sing in the choir or, or like play <laughs> some type of musical instrument. Like if you're not, you to have to do, do something, pick an, right? Pick an instrument and pick a sport. And most of the time it's like, you got to do both. <laughs> and so it's, I think not only does BYU probably have more married players than any I, other football I, program I, I think in the you country. make that sound like a little bit too. Mike, I have three kids. We don't play instruments. Okay. Our parents' <laughs> no generation, our parents' generation. It <laughs> okay. was like, you, you know, but I think also in addition to uh, having the most married players of any school in the country, we probably have the most football players who can also play the piano <laughs> that is I'm, I'm something very confident in but they yeah so it's in other sports i mean if you look at was it the the learfield cup or whatever the it's like that fake trophy that they give out to try to say like we're the best overall like well-rounded um athletic department thing that stanford wins every year because they sponsor like eighty-seven thousand varsity sports um we consistently do really really well in in pretty much across the board. So it's, I mean, we've had a couple last couple of years we've placed, we've won uh, in titles in like cross country or track and like both men's and women's and done multiple things. Uh, the women's volleyball team has played for most multiple national titles in the last five, six years. Uh, so it's, yeah, I think across the board, it's really holistic. And then also I think, you know, it's a really unique situation with the four schools coming in from the football side of things where, you know, you've got Gus Malzahn at UCF, who was, you know, the head coach at Auburn forever. Dana Holgerson is obviously very familiar with the Big 12. And now Fickle left, but you have Scott Satterfield at Cincy, who, you know, spent time in the ACC. So I think, and then also Cincinnati, you know, their school is not unfamiliar with the transition going, you know, when they went from Conference USA into the Big East and, you know, were a reviewed 
clock in the big in the Big 12 championship game away from playing Alabama for a national title, you know, in the BCS era. So it's I think all four schools are really poised in terms of they know what they need to do to compete at this level. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I think I'm I'm not familiar enough with their Olympics in other sports, but I, I definitely think that we are co- poised to come in and, and compete right away. I will we'll wrap on this. Uh, obviously, a Big 12 fan's got a, I would say, a mouthful of an understanding of UCF fans on Twitter. Cincinnati fans on there <laughs> got involved heavily as well. There was some smattering of Houston. I didn't see a lot of BYU when it came down to that. So kind of, what what is the BYU fan base like? What are we gonna get a lot of Twitter and, and social media interaction? Is is that somewhere where they are they a very online fan base like many of the Big 12s are? Yes. I mean, the short answer is, is definitely, um, you probably haven't seen a whole lot of BYU interaction because we're, we're still trying to win the arguments with Utah fans and the rest of the PAC 12. But as soon as those arguments are settled, then, then, then BYU fans will make their way over to the rest of the big 12 for sure. So I don't know, maybe we need a list of who to follow from every school. So we, we can know, and, and I've followed and I've kind of sought out some, and I, if some, if a big 12 fan pops up on my timeline, you know, I'll try to follow them and kind of see and what's going on, but definitely, you know, wanting to get more into that. But yes, the, uh, the, when you talk about like toxic rivalries, I think the online interactions between BYU and Utah fans, it is unbearable. Like I just have everybody, like I just have to mute everybody. I have so many people muted or blocked because I'm just like, I cannot deal with this. So it is a very, both sides are overly passionate. And so I think having some new faces to interact with will be very welcome. If if fans of the 10, 12 network, big 12 fans, if they want to find BYU fans online, just say something about Utah and we'll find you. I promise. <laughs> It's gonna know what keywords, hashtags yeah. to use. To that, if that's okay. all if it you, takes, say Kyle if Whittingham. If you tweet out there. something about BYU in 1984, you will also have like every single Utah fan in existence will be in your mentions, and and I feel comfortable saying that, not as you know my bias of hating everything about them, because I grew up in a house where my parents, when I was growing up, they said you know obviously tuition at BYU or, you know, and there's also like other church colleges, uh, you know, is very subsidized by the LDS church. My parents said, you know, we will help you up to the cost of going to a church school, wherever you go as, as we can, unless you go to the university of Utah, then you will not get a dime from us. And so that was, that was my life growing up, which is good. I think that is good parenting, but they, um, but it's, even like national writers, like there's like Stuart Mandel and Andy Staples, there've been like national people saying like who make fun of how incessant Utah fans are on Twitter. And it is very funny to me, especially with all the events of the last week with the realignment stuff that like the comeuppance is just so I'm relishing in it because we have waited for this moment for the past 12 years since 2011, or I guess 10 years, 13 years since 2010 you know, when it was announced that we were leaving the Mountain West of, you know, finally finding our home and leaving them behind, presumably in the dust. And so that will, uh, but yes, if you are listening to this, come find us and come interact with us. And I know there is a 1012 Network Discord. So I joined that. Uh, you sent me the link. So it doesn't, it's not super active, but yeah, let's find, maybe let's find a community of, of Big 12 fans that we can all hang out together. We're, we're working on that. Everybody make sure you are following 
Give Em Hell Brigham on Twitter at Give Em Hell Pod. Uh, you can subscribe to the show anywhere you want. Uh, we, the 1012 Network, has an official network policy of we Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona State are welcome to the Big 12. <laughs> um, Utah fans were the most, and I don't understand it at all, the most down their nose at the Big 12 as though they so are So you've somehow, seen it too. Okay, it's oh, not it, just This is thank no, you for the validation. No fan base of the Pac-12, none of them were more snobby about the Big 12 than Utah because Utah, obviously the corner four, and so they were like, how how dare you would assume that we want, like, fine, cool, go play with I, Oregon and Washington on your own. And <laughs> we know Arizona wants to come. ASU's being a little picky about it. Colorado's problem is I think they probably would, but their alumni base is so heavy in California that it's hard to make that shift. Utah is so arrogant, and I'm they, I can, they can stay. They can, I can promise I you, if if BYU were to have been invited to the Pac-12 last year, and now the, the okay BYU's going to the Pac-12, and now the Big 12 is talking about the corner schools. Oh, Utah would be ready to run. It has nothing to do with the Big 12 conference. It has everything to do with BYU. It is nuts. They this have rivalry spent the is last, nuts. They have spent the last decade pounding their chest that they have left us in the dust and are better than us in every way. So the thought of being on par and equal with us now is just they cannot wrap their heads around that. So they can go be in the Mountain West 2.0, I guess, after they invite SMU and all seven SMU fans. The Pac-10 plus two. Uh, you guys have been awesome. Uh, the show is incredible. Thrilled to have you in the network. Glad to have the BYU representation. This just leaves us one show short. We've got to figure out TCU. We'll work on that. I'm working on it. July 1st, that's the date. That's the date. If all I've got to do left is one show between now and July 1st, maybe I can I can swing that. Three kids, four and under is a, is a lot. You guys yeah. cannot wait. Everybody in the 1012 Network, every 1012 listener, go check out Give Him Hell Brigham. As I said, Give Him Hell Pod on Twitter. And you can find the Twitter links to our good friends here, Jeff and Garrett. Guys, welcome to the network. Thanks, man. Thanks. Give Him Hell. Podcast Network.